Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger. I'm joined, as always, by Billy Muzio. And, Billy, we have, like, a first in the history of First Class Fantasy. We have a first-time, uh, first two-time guest with our friend Nelson Sousa, a.k.a. the franchise. Uh, Nelson is one of the best high-stakes drafters in the country. Um, I have split teams with him. I talk to him quite regularly. Uh, I believe in his process, and the results speak for themselves. Nelson's won pretty much everything. We got a ton of great feedback the last time Nelson came and chopped it up with us on First Class Fantasy. Um, This is going to be a lot of fun today. Last week, Billy and I had a draft episode, so definitely go check that out if you want to watch Billy and I draft um, in the 125 FFPC Best Ball Contest. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Definitely go check that one out. But one guy that's drafting pretty much every night now, or close to it, Nelson, in August, is is yourself. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. How you doing, my man? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I, I don't know if it's like a, a positive or a negative that I'm the uh, first time, uh, second uh, all time. It's, it's uh, a huge positive. Billy, it's a positive. Billy, yes. You either didn't have anyone else and it's like, oh, crap. We gotta just, <laughs> all right, let's just ask Nelson if he's free. No way, Nelson. No way. This is this is your time to shine. Uh, me and you are going to be drafting together in the New York Super in a few weeks now. So this is like money time. This is August. Uh, this is when we really get after it. You're grinding out content. Your articles are excellent. Highly recommend Nelson's, Nelson's uh, work at FTN. Nelson, why don't you tell everybody about what you've dropped so far on the article side, what they can get during the season, and talk about that cool podcast you're dropping these days. Absolutely. So uh, I've got, you know, my rankings. Uh, and then the most popular article on there is my fade list. Um, so that, that always gets a positive reaction from people. Um, I also have a, um, I have a couple of, uh, articles that are going to be coming out. One is a league winner, uh, article. And I, and I know I, I kind of despise that, that word, you know, using league winner. But last year, my article was on DeAndre Hopkins, and um, it kind of it kind of came to fruition. Uh, except, you know, obviously at the end of the season, he got hurt and everything, and un- it was unfortunate with Kyler uh, with his injury. But when he came back from suspension, I mean, he was pretty much a wide receiver one uh, locked in, and he helped a lot of my teams. Uh, you know, kind of propel them into the playoffs. So I'm going to come out with that article. That's going to be a big one on the player that, uh, that I think is going to be this year's uh, league winner. And we, we also have a podcast. I'm joined with uh, Maddie Davis and Vlad Sedler. Um, It's going to be the high stakes uh, fantasy podcast. Uh, So that's going to be on a weekly basis that we're going to have that right into the season. And, you know, Again, you know, just busy right now with like the Discord chat 
over at FTM with helping subscribers with their upcoming drafts and answering questions. Yeah, no, de- definitely highly recommend uh, Nelson's work at FTN. It's excellent. And we we had uh, D-Hops on our team last year, Nelson. We had the the D-Hops-Rondell-Moore combo, which was like a great way to cover yourself. But then Rondell-Moore missed the very beginning of the season, so that was a little bit of a pain. But yeah. uh, that 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 were it's it was it were still worked out well when D-Hops comes back and gave you, you know, 15-plus points every single week. Um, Billy, how are you doing today, man? I want to give you a shout-out. You, you, you crushed it on press coverage last week. Um, you know, uh, during crossover week and uh, you've been putting out just tremendous podcast, uh, podcast all off season. How's everything going with you today, Billy? Yeah. Podcast been busy. Everything's going good. Uh, just did a, a really deep dive into the projections. Uh, went through every single team, went through all the quarterbacks, all the running backs, all the receivers, all the tight ends, and really kind of analyzed all the numbers, uh, with Dario. And so we went through and made sure all the, you know, yards per attempts and yards per carries and yards per receptions, all of them were updated, uh, kind of really, it's a really deep dive. It, it takes quite a bit of time. And so we, we did that in the last two weeks. We finished here uh, just yesterday. So those have been updated as of last night. And and the projections are are uh, the most recent and up to date on the site. And, and I'm probably going to go through and update the uh, uh, analyst cheat sheet this weekend and have that ready to rock and load for, for Monday for everyone doing drafts in August. And uh, Billy, I forgot. Remind everybody where you finished last year in the fantasy pros rankings for rankers, and also the year before. I I keep I can't remember. I can't keep track. <laughs> so twenty twenty one was a good year. Is number one uh, in season last year was number four. My draft rankings. I took some big stabs last year in the twenty twenty two draft rankings. Didn't finish as well. Um, so. Uh, I took a, a lot of big swings and, and missed on those big swings. So I believe in in staying true to your numbers and not adjusting based upon what the masses are doing. Um, and so I think that there's a big edge in doing that. If you hit, you really hit. If you miss, you really miss. Um, and so um, I took some stabs. It didn't work out. So draft rankings last year weren't uh, the same caliber as 2021 or the in-season for 2022. Um, but we're you know reworking the workshop, and we're going to get them posted here shortly. And I hope to have another good year in-season. I think you're going to crush it this year, except on Jackson Smith and Jigba, <laughs> who's going to bring you down a little bit, Billy. Until you has Nelson voted on this yet? I forgot. Oh, wait. So wait a minute, is Billy like pro Jackson? No. Or? Okay. So Nelson did not vote on this on the first podcast. So every time we get someone on, we have Nelson's going to gonna be Nelson's going to be with you I and Dave so, Hubbard on the Dave <laughs> Hubbard and and Billy right, Nelson. So so Theo and I have a three hundred fifty dollar bet and an FFPC, uh, and so. When we look at it, the bet is Jackson Smith, the Jigba, wide receiver 36 or better, or wide receiver 36 or worse. Oh man, uh, he he's gonna need a he's gonna need an injury uh, hey. to be 36. <laughs> man, Theo, I mean that's a lot of that's a lot of analysts against you here on this one. It, it, I got could, a lot of sharp, I mean, a lot could, of sharp it money. Could happen, but I mean where where he's going in drafts, I'm not really, I'm I'm not interested in him. Same so here. I have I have Billy, I have year. Nelson Sousa, and I have Dave Hubbard, who's one of the best players in the world, are all on the Billy Muzio side. But I do have Danny Mueller sent me a nice message that he's big time into Jackson <laughs> Smith and Jigba, and he's he took him in the pros time. versus yeah. took him in the pros versus Joe's Nelson. He reached on him to grab him, so he's he's bullish. Um, guys, we're actually going to make an an on the air pick. I am in a three hundred fifty dollar FFPC Fantasy Pros draft right now. I'm trying to win a million dollars. So the three of us are going to brainstorm what I'm going to do with my fourth round selection. Uh, and I'm going to cut you guys each. If I win the million, 
and you guys helped me with nail this fourth round pick. You're each getting Venmoed five five grand the morning after All the right, FFPC pays it. me. So five thousand okay. dollar decision went as soon as we come back. All right. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature players championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC. And remember, use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD. $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. Uh, Billy, why don't you queue up this draft board? Well, Billy's, Billy's a little better with the, the StreamYard navigation than I am. The czar of StreamYard. The czar. He's... Not quite czar. You're like the assistant czar of StreamYard to our own <laughs> Matty Kiwum. Okay, guys, so I'm in the 10 spot here. This is, a uh, again, a $350 uh, tight end premium PPR league, four-point passing touchdowns for the quarterbacks. So I went with Stephon Diggs out of the 10 hole. I considered Amon Ross St. Brown, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb. Uh, and then I thought about a Mandrews build, but I just didn't do it to have a elite tight end. Then the second round, CeeDee Lamb was a fairly easy pick. CeeDee Lamb and Stephon Diggs are not a unique pairing, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. So I have access to two what I believe top-notch wide receivers. Now, I'm interested to see your guys' thoughts on my third-round selection. Josh Allen and Ramondre Stevenson were two guys that I was looking to draft in the 10-hole, uh, the 310. I went with Lamar Jackson. I want more exposure to Lamar Jackson, especially in this in this tournament. I think Lamar Jackson has QB1 overall upside. And with Josh Allen going off the board, it's sort of been a trigger lately for Lamar. So I looked at the teams 11 and 12. I thought with the kind of balanced uh, drafting that they were showing, I would potentially lose the option of Lamar. And I had Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs uh, in my queue, but I... I also have Travis Etienne currently in the queue, which I was I'm kind of into Etienne right here in the fourth round. So your guys' thoughts on my Lamar Jackson pick. Nelson? Um I'm o- I'm okay with it. Um I, I mean I'm pro going uh elite quarterback this year. <clears throat> so I I'm I'm totally fine with it. He he could be the QB one uh this year. He's got that type of potential. So uh Nothing wrong with it. Billy, is this direction you would have gone, or would you have gone with a, maybe another wide receiver or my RB1? I think it's fine. I, uh, With it being redraft, I typically will push quarterback a little bit. It, it depends upon what you're trying to accomplish in this draft, right? If we're if we're building an early quarterback team, great. But I, I, if, if I'm doing multiple, I'm swapping it up, right? I'm going elite early. I'm doing some mid, some late, just giving myself different exposures. But 
Um, I think Lamar's fine. I, I like Lamar as well. He's rotated in between quarterback four and quarterback six in my projections. Every time I update them right now, he sits at six, but I agree with Nelson. It would not surprise me if Lamar Jackson finished as the QB one with the rushing upside and, and the new Munkin offense. So I'm fine with it here as well. Um, what do you think you're going to do on this pick now coming back? Well, this time I'm, I'm my cue right now is, is Travis Etienne. Uh, that would really be, you know, Brees Hall is also in the queue. Um, I don't love necessarily taking Brees because I feel like that's going to kind of paint me into having to draft another uh, running back slightly early to kind of make up for the potential of missing him for a few weeks. Uh, Jerry Judy would be my preferred wide receiver. I have a cr- quite a lot of Christian Watson, Billy. Um, and this is, I you know, I'm not saying that I'm done drafting him. But tiebreaker, I would I would prefer Judy for this build if I go wide out. And then I have Darren Waller um, as my fourth option, pushing up a tight end who will not be there for me when I pick at the 5'10". I think he's got elite pass-catching ceiling. I do not like drafting a quarterback and a tight end early back-to-back at all, but I think he is a little bit of a standout. And then I do have Christian Watson in the queue. Um, Nelson, any other players that you would drive up into consideration here or is this a, probably the correct ones in the queue? Uh, just looking at the draft board, I had, before you mentioned names, I, I had Judy and Waller as the two guys that would be my picks. I, I think I'm I'm good with ETN. I, I've always been uh, a fan of his, but I, I just rather, if, if you're going to build this team, I'd rather see you go elite quarterback, elite tight end with those two wide receivers. Yeah or continue with the wide receiver um, and and build that strength and then figure out what you're going to do. The only problem is in in this format, you're, you're probably, once you pass on Waller here, you're probably going to punt back uh, tight end. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, you're not, I'm not selecting one until maybe the eighth, ninth, 10th round. Uh, there's really yeah. no point in pushing one up if it's not Waller, in my opinion. And, there's no guarantee like even a Kittle will be there at the 510 if I'm chasing it. Uh, potentially a Goddard sometimes lands at the 510, but I think his target ceiling, Nelson, you would say is I far, far lower than what we're expecting out of Waller right now. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I think Team 3, the way he's built his team, I, I think Goddard's going to be a target of his. So I would actually predict that Goddard's going to be gone, Kittle's going to be gone. So... I would probably build it that way. I I know what you're saying about QB tight end early. Um, that's always kind of been a rule of mine, but I've actually changed that. I, I've I've actually been keeping an open mind this year and getting uh, try to get elite production out of those two positions early and figure out my running back situation later. And Billy, you've talked about this before several times on podcasts where in an FFPC draft, if I draft a Waller, I can essentially go naked tight end for the next 10 rounds and really not worry about tight end two. Uh, I think that that's kind of a luxury where, you know, like when we built our best, best balls like a different animal, yep. but we had to go with like a four tight end build because we punted, um, you know, we punted tight end until like round 15, but we still ended up having to draft four of them in that 20 man best ball draft. So is that like a, another appealing thing for you in terms of, you know, tiebreakers to the position? Yeah, redraft a different animal in best ball. Um, I would say, though, that 
as much as I like Waller, he's my tight end for, I don't like to force it in a build all the time, right? And when you take a look at what you've done here, the first person that came to mind was Jerry Judy. Um, it, just because I, I like what Nelson said as well, like you want to keep an edge at the position. Right now, the, your edge would be going receiver or tight end. You're going to win at quarterback. You're going to win at receiver. You're going to win at tight end. I would lean into receiver a little bit more because – um, when we look at correlation and correlation matters a lot in best ball, but it also matters in redraft as well, especially once we get into playoff weeks. And when we get into playoff weeks, Detroit is facing Denver. Um, so I would like a Judy pick here to um, kind of lean into that game. I think could be a pretty explosive game in playoffs. Um, and then you also get that that Detroit correlation with the lamb pick as well so you get a little bit of um and you could pick some later detroit pieces and so we would talk about tight ends you could pick up now laporta later you could pick up a jameson williams later and you can get some double correlation your players to kind of assist in in these stacks for these weeks and for for your playoff push um and then that allows you to also look at your one of your favorite tight ends with you know dalton kincaid to kind of correlate with stefan diggs and so i would probably lean into Judy at this pick and, and push tight end a little bit. Um, there's also a lot of consolidated targets in, in Denver right now with the injury to uh, Patrick and, and Hamler being, um, you know, released right now for that heart condition. So a lot of consolidated targets. Judy's looking to kind of capture a lot of those. You could also lean into uh, Greg Dulcich, who's going to see some increased targets as well. So um, there's a lot of tight ends this year that I really like and I think could have a chance to really outperform ADP early kind of early to mid late-ish and so you know that you're talking about rounds like 9 10 11 and even you know into 12 and 13 there's tight ends i like so um as much as i like waller i probably lean judy here though shout out to chloe l i do not love every rookie tight end and some of my some of my takes are dynasty related as well (laughs) but uh, i'm glad you're paying attention chloe thank you um so nelson talk a little bit about jerry judy your thoughts on him you share that with billy i know you're bullish on him um, you know, is he a guy that you look at structurally as just a, a really good pick in terms of expected volume, or is he a guy that you look at that kind of has an unknown ceiling this year with Sean Payton? I, I do think he has an unknown ceiling. Um, and it, it's not because of Sean Payton. That's the positive is that Sean Payton's there now and that offense should be competent. You know, my issue is Russell Wilson. And he looked, you know, completely washed last year. And a lot of it had to do with Hackett and that offense and just how everything went down. But it also had to do with, you know, we we saw a lot of those reports where Wilson kind of, you know, alienated himself from the team and thought he was kind of upper echelon. And uh, that ended up coming back to bite him. So the question is, is he motivated this year to actually perform well? So that that's the question mark, um, because if he is washed, then guess what? That that offense is going to fail and Judy's not going to end up being very good. We, you know, we need a we need a healthy, you know, motivated Russell Wilson to move the sticks and keep that offense going. So um, with Waller, you're talking about, uh, you know, in the range of outcomes, I could see him as the tight end one uh, this year. And now you've got potential uh, upside in uh, QB one and Lamar Jackson and a tight end one in Waller. So 
Um, th- I would go that way in this particular format. If we were talking in a different format where it wasn't tight end premium, I would say hands down it was Judy. So I think, Billy, the the tiebreaker here, I think you guys both had well-thought-out opinions, and I'm glad that you guys are on two of the players that were like in the towards the top of my queue, is when I look at the ADP for what's going to be available for me at the end of the fifth and early sixth, with Lamar Jackson out of the way, you know, there's the edge is gone with a potential faller in a Herbert or a Fields. That's out of the question. Those are edge picks to me in this format. So I think that, like, the difference maker is, I'm going to have access to some wide receivers I really like um, at like that, 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 uh, that five, six. So I think I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put in Darren Waller and then I can be done at quarterback done at, at, uh, at tight end essentially for the next 10 rounds. And I'll probably be naked in my QB build and it's going to, going to give me more exposure to wide receivers. And then I can make up for it at running back. I believe with this build because I have so much explosiveness. So that, that, that was a really fun process guys, but this is definitely not a only let's help Theo show. So I want to get after it with some of these questions. Uh, I'm going to put this pick in. Nelson, why don't you talk a little bit about an article that you that you wrote, which was really good. And it was called This Year's Josh Jacobs. And we're going to attempt to each give our answer for this year's Josh Jacobs. But Josh Jacobs was unique last year where in a lot of those NFFC leagues that we drafted in, he was falling into the seventh round. He was falling into high RB3 territory. Not a, not a like some of these home drafts, you know, they say, you know, he was running back 20 in my league and he finished as RB1 or RB2. But in the higher stakes, Billy and Nelson, you guys saw him falling. Where was the lowest you saw Jacobs go if you, if you remember, Nelson? Eighth round. What about you, Billy? I think I saw him go in the ninth round once or twice. It's just crazy when you, when we think back and, you know, I think that the process was kind of, kind of, I think it's hard to like double check your process, but I think the market kind of piles on guys and it's sometimes, you know, they get pushed down even further if a couple of people start fading them. So Nelson, you wrote this article that was awesome. Why don't you give uh, what you're looking for in this sort of uh, running back target and give us one guy, because I believe you had three in the article, but yeah. give us one guy you're really bullish on. Um, that's being drafted a little later that could give us this kind of potential top five RB upside. Yeah. So based on where Jacobs was being drafted and where he finished, um, part of the criteria was first, they needed to have a similar ADP um, in in order for them to fit this year's Josh Jacobs. Um, The other thing that I'm looking for is, you know, where Jacobs finished as far as, you know, reception. So he had a lot of yards on the ground. And, and touchdowns, but he also, what was it, 50-plus uh, receptions? Yeah, back-to-back back, back back seasons, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, in order for you to have that type of upside as a running back and, and finish in the top five, um, you, you got to catch over 50 balls. It, it's either that or you need to have a Derrick Henry type of workload or Jonathan Taylor type of workload where you can catch, you know, 25, 30 balls and, and still finishes, uh, you know, top three, top five running back. So with that said, you know, sometimes it's just not there. You're looking for something that it's like a unicorn, right? You're looking for something and it just doesn't exist. But this year, I, I definitely think that there's a couple of guys and I didn't want to force the issue but I think there's a couple of guys that fit that criteria. And the one guy that is sticking out to me 
is Richard White. And my, my thinking behind that is even in a committee where Lenny Fournette was basically the RB1 at White still caught 50 balls last year. And now Brady's gone and everyone's just looking at that offense as like, it's a forgotten offense, right? The last couple of years, everyone wanted a piece of Godwin and Evans and, and Brady and everything. And, and now it's like, no one cares. And no one cares about Rashard White based on his ADP. He's a guy that goes anywhere from the sixth to eighth round in every single draft. Um, there's no hype on Rashad White. That's another important factor because there was no hype with Josh Jacobs. If anything, it was all negativity. And and rightfully so. And I took that lazy approach where, you know, I kind of pointed the finger that, you know, it's Josh McDaniels that's there as head coach. And he brought in Brandon Bolin and they've got Abdullah and they got Zamir White. You know what? It's just going to be this committee and you know, Jacobs hasn't done it before, hasn't been there, hasn't, hasn't been, he's shown flashes. He always had that talent, but, and he's caught 50 balls before, but never that workhorse type of running back. And that's why I think Rashard White is capable of that because he's kind of there all by himself. They didn't really bring in or draft anyone of substance that I think, you know, is going to warrant taking touches away from white. I, I think if white, you know, endears himself to the coaches uh, this preseason that he's going to be the man, he, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn and I believe Chase Edmonds is there. Like those guys just don't to me are not going to be guys that are going to keep white off the field. So if you have Baker or Trask uh, be about average at quarterback, I think that you could see White, you know, rush for well over a thousand yards and and have 50 plus receptions in that offense. I love the answer, Nelson. And I'll say that we took a lot of flack at player profiler, Billy, in the offseason, especially on the dynasty end where Matt and Dario and I really pounded the table for Rashad White. We had him at like RB 15 in dynasty. You had him highly ranked in redraft. And he survived the offseason completely. That was a place we feared could be a Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs landing spot, a Zach Charbonnet landing spot. And they didn't do anything. And I think one thing that Nelson said that was really, really sharp, um, you know, this Nelson guy's pretty sharp, guys. He's he that when you see an offense that nobody wants to draft somebody from, it creates artificial values for us um, because guys get their like the ADPs get depressed. And people will say, oh, you took a guy, you know, from from the worst offense, the league with the Bucks." Or I also will say, Nelson, I think Arizona Cardinals like James Conner and Hollywood Brown have gotten pushed down really, really far. I got James Conner in the eighth round of an NFFC online championship the other day. So I think like sometimes that you like that's how we got Seattle values last year. And that's Cleveland last year. Nobody wanted to draft Browns and Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb smashed. Um, Billy, anything to add on Nelson's kind of rules the, with the, looking at these, uh, not really a rule, but looking at the, the team situation in terms of the way drafters look at them? Do you spot our opportunity in that sense? And then give us a running back you're looking at that could be a Josh Jacobs. Yeah, no, I agree with everything Nelson said. I, I also like White. You know, we, we were high on him all offseason. And even when he was going in round nine, 
I have few shares of, of, of Rashad White, even, even that late in drafts because he wasn't being looked at then. Um, he's since risen. I think he's going uh, at FFPC in like round six and seven on average. Um, he's been climbing. Um, and so eighth round shares are, are getting a little harder to come by, but they do exist from time to time. Um, I think that he fits the mold and the, the potential output and the volume is there. Um, my only concern with White is the offensive line. I mean, it was pretty decimated last year. We're expecting it to be a little bit better because they were hit with injuries, but uh, it still could be a concern. Uh, that being said, it may benefit him more in the passing game then. And so I think there's, there's in, in poker terms, a lot of outs for White to hit, and I, I still like his his potential upside. The other player that I think is worth uh, mentioning uh, who kind of fits this mold for me as well is uh, James Conner. And um, we look at Arizona, kind of a similar situation though. The offensive line isn't the best, but um, I always like to look at contracts as well. And then uh, take a look at it and say, well, what does the team have invested moving forward? Can they kind of, you know, work until the wheels fall off per se, which is what we saw happen with, you know, Josh Jacobs last year. They really didn't have any contract in consideration at the time. They just kind of gave him all this workload. He was used the passing game as well as the running game. We know Arizona is is down DeAndre Hopkins now, so there's a lot of target opportunity as well. Um, James Conner never been a large volume guy, but we did see him take on um, some pretty significant workloads down the stretch last year. Uh, he only played in 13 games. He saw you know 183 attempts last year, but we saw you know 16 carries, 15 carries, 16 carries, 15 carries all through that like week 14 through 17, and we were seeing seven, five, eight targets a game in that that frame. So. I think if we can get that kind of usage for an entire season out of James Conner, if they can keep him healthy and he you know takes care of his body, we're potentially looking at uh, a player who can have you know fifty to sixty catches, a thousand rushing yards, and double digit touchdowns. And so, like James Conner this year, especially at the price and the cost he's going at, um, it's not like it's going to hurt you that much if it does miss. Because when I, I look, I try to miss small, right? You think of golf terms. Try to miss small and minimize the the risk that it's going to uh, give you if if you do miss on it, and I don't think it's going to hurt you that bad if he if he doesn't perform to that level. I love I love your take on on Connor, and I know Nelson, you've been fine with taking Connor as well. Um, I think Connor also does something where he gives you kind of a quick, fast start. If you're drafting like Billy does, where you're really attacking the wide receiver position, James Connor might lead all running backs in touches in the first month of the season. I could completely see that with like a potential Clayton tune led offense where they just give the ball to James Conner 25 times and a few of them are receptions and he does it on volume and, and maybe a couple of games he's fallen in the end zone. Um, I think that he's, he's going to have an opportunity to score a lot just really quickly guys. They signed uh, Marlon Mack shout out to Joanna in the chat. Does this threaten Keontae Ingram? Who's been a handcuff that Billy and I have been drafting Billy. We took him in the, uh, in our last draft last week in that uh, best ball. Um, or maybe we went Pierre Strong. They're all starting to to merge together with the twenty round twentieth round guys. Nelson, do you think Marlon Mack or Keontae Ingram is the is the cuff? Uh, I still think it's Ingram. Um, okay. I, I I look at it as um, I'm not going to read too much into it because um, they really don't have much there in terms of depth. So uh, adding kind of like a cheap veteran back like Mack, um, I don't think is really an issue. Yeah, poor one out for Tyson Williams. He's he's probably done with the Mack signing, Billy. Um, Keontae Ingram still good. Yeah, I think hey guys, you also look at 
I always like to look at teams and uh, say he's been there already. He's been in camp. He's he's been working with the team. He's he's already gaining rapport. And so Max have to come in and kind of integrate himself into the offense. So it'll take some time as well. Shout out to Abig Batoba in the chat, one of the best drafters in the country. He's going to be on with me on press coverage this this coming week. Um, guys, we're never going to get that minute of our lives back. Let's never talk about Marlon Mack again on a podcast. Um, yeah. Guys, this I blame you for bringing it up. It's guys, yeah. it's me, and I want to give a shout out to to Joanna, who's very active in our in our chats on a lot of player profiler shows. Um, guys, I want to talk about this year's Ken Walker. Ken Walker last year, let's remember, was going around RB forty ish. You'd have certain people push him up, certain people push him down. There was a lot of fear about Rashad Penny uh, was going to get all the work. Some people were completely off of Walker. Some people looked at him as a as a potential, you know, guy that that might be a second half guy in the season, but he never rose up to the point where you couldn't get him really cheap. Penny does what he does all the time. He went down with an injury. Ken Walker crushed for the end of the season, goes over a thousand yards rushing. This year is different. It's very like last year, Brees Hall steamed up, was, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round, depending on where you were drafting. But the rookie running back enthusiasm this year with Bijan in the top six, seven picks in your draft. And now Jameer Gibbs, a top 30 pick in your draft. Uh, you've got to kind of look down the list a little bit for running backs. Who is a running back that maybe has contingent upside that you could see really smashing in the second half of the year, whether it's an injury or just them kind of earning an opportunity, maybe a rookie that you've enjoyed drafting so far. Let's start with Billy on this one. I'm going to keep it brand on brand here and go Roshan Johnson. Okay. Uh, Standalone value right now, I think he's earning touches. The key to him is going to be pass protection and what he can contribute in the passing game because the other two running backs haven't really excelled in this category uh, when they've been on the field. So Roshan Johnson has a chance to carve out that role. And if we see an injury to Herbert, he could potentially be a three-down back. And so uh, like the the prospect himself and the talent with Roshan Johnson, you know, had had the power um, as well as the size. And so I think uh, having that combination, being able to get some some passing work uh, could potentially set him up for a big season should there have anything happen to Herbert. I'm going to go with two guys that I think could have some contingent upsize and, upside, and that's Kendra Miller. You have the fact that, let alone the suspension, but I think Kendra Miller is a baller, and I think he's going to get pushed down in the fact that I don't think Kamara's suspension is going to be as long as we think. But for me, it's a simple bet that you have two guys that are older, and then you have the 21-year-old Kendra Miller. I think there's also a chance that that Kamara's used a little bit more like a receiver. There's been some reports he's being worked in with the wide receivers in camp, and maybe Kendra Miller can just beat out Jamal Williams in the second half of the year. He's got the juice. And the other guy's just Tajay Spears. There's no buzz. But Tajay Spears, all we've seen is Hassan Haskins get in trouble off the field. Derrick Henry's been, you know, a volume monster. Um, you know, Derrick Henry's a guy that's coming up on 30 years old. I think Tajay Spears, you know, if he gets the starts, showed us enough as a prospect. Um, I think he's a talented player. And again, he's cheap. So I'm looking at some of these cheaper rookie RB uh, options. Nelson, any rookies that you're drafting? Yeah, if we go in terms of like a comparison to Walker and Penny's situation last year, you know, Penny's not this, uh, you know, locked in, uh, no no doubt, you know, starter last year. So Walker definitely had a little bit of upside there of uh, being able to outwork him and, and outperform him. 
Um, that guy that, that I feel uh, could do, be the case is Devon at Cheney uh, with the Dolphins because Mostert and, and Wilson, the guys there are just, again, I, I just think are kind of run-of-the-mill type of uh, running backs. Um, and Cheney's a little bit, you know, on the smallish side, but I, I could see him getting worked into that offense uh, for sure. And then if it was an injury related type of uh, ascension for a backup, you know, rookie, that guy goes uh, for me is uh, chase Brown. I, I think he's the type of guy that has the juice where, you know, Mixon to me just looked like um, he, he just looked, you know, kind of slow. He had, he had a couple of big games last year, but he, he just didn't look all that great to me. So Brown seems like the guy coming in with the juice that that's capable of, performing really well in that type of offense. I, I love I love the answer. Um Nelson, just quickly your your very quick thoughts on Miles Sanders. It was a question from Abib in the chat who wanted you to give a lot more love to Sanders on on the Rashad White question, I think. Just because I think yeah. Abib wants to feel good about all the Miles Sanders he's been drafting. Well, I mean Sanders out of the three guys that I put in my article, Sanders was the another guy um that I mentioned. So you told me, you know, just pick one guy. That's so. There you go. So Abib, Abib, I just made Nelson reveal paywall stuff. So that's uh, apologies <laughs> to Nelson. But yeah, Abib, you're you're yeah. good. You're good, Abib. So ho- um, hopefully, you know, if Abib, you know, respects my opinion, then he should feel good about his Miles Sanders uh, shares because uh, Sanders was one of the three guys that I had mentioned. And if you want to hear Billy Muzio's thoughts on Miles Sanders, you can pop in pretty much any first class fantasy, any dominator. Um, you know, he's, he's been very bullish on him, uh, at cost, even though he's rising up a little bit guys. So he's one to monitor It's I think a lot of times if you're listening to this show and you're listening to it at the end of August, sometimes these players move up a little bit. Um, and then we need to reassess things. Let's talk about a guy, um, maybe less impactful than a Josh Jacobs, but last year we saw also Ramondre Stevenson and Tony Pollard crushed it. And they were drafted as RB3s most of the time. Stevenson steamed up in main events. You know, you saw him go RB23, RB24, but essentially he was an RB3. And Miles Sanders. Um, so those three guys finished inside the top 15 of the position, and they were all drafted as RB3s. How about for some RB3s and RB4s that you guys are into drafting right now? I'll give mine first because I'm into Antonio Gibson. I think Antonio Gibson right now is a guy that you can get for a relatively uh, decent cost. And I think that it's looking more and more like he's going to have like a Jarek McKinnon role plus. And we saw what McKinnon was able to do last year in Kansas City, obviously a better offense, but same offensive coordinator. It sounds like Eric Bieniemy is really putting his stamp on this offense. I think Gibson's the number three target in the offense. And, um, you know, I think that they're Brian Robinson and Brian Robinson or Chris Rodriguez, they kind of like Chris Rodriguez is more of a threat to Robinson. So I'm into Gibson. I think like the cost versus the versus the potential outcomes. I think it's it's a one I'm willing to bet on right now. Love the receiving ability. And we've seen him put up uh, double digit points per game, three straight seasons in his career uh, with a number of touchdowns. So I'm into Gibson at cost. How about you, Nelson? Any uh, RB threes or RB fours that you're really, really pounding the table for? I mean, if I remember correctly, you know, Stevenson started to uh, he he was comfortably going like sixth, seventh round, in, yeah, in drafts and and maybe moved up. So you, you know, probably I, caused that a little bit, Nelson. 
I, when I you was, kept drafting I, him. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I was into Stevenson, and he, he kind of fit kind of like how I was trying to build my teams. Um, the guy this year for me is probably Alexander Madison. Um, I think he has the same type of uh, ability as Stevenson, and the workload I think is going to be there. Um, I know a lot of people. It, it, the the funny thing is, I'm I'm actually liking this because a lot of people he's become a popular guy to shit on, and I haven't really heard many arguments of like pro Madison. So I actually like to be contrarian and go against kind of like the market and the public. So uh, Madison's probably going to be a guy that I'm going to have quite a bit of. In like I think that's interesting, Nelson, because it's like a. I think he steamed up and then there was like a correction. You're talking about like seventh round Madison. Yeah. I mean, he's, mo- I think he's moved up. Sixth a, round. Yeah. He's moved up a little bit, but I, I think he fits in that range of like what, you know, Stevenson did. And, you know, there were still doubters on Stevenson and the offense and everything and, and his ability. So I, I think it's the same thing, you know, with Madison, I think the guys you've got, a, you know, rookies and some young guys that, um, are there that people are maybe respecting a little too much that probably the coaches don't think highly of. And you're going to see Madison have like a Stevenson type, you know, workload to start the year. Well, now he's got to perform in order to keep that. But that that's my thinking on that situation. Billy, anybody that you're loving out of the RB3, RB, let's call them the high RB4 range and all the RB3s. It's crazy to say it, but Dalvin Cook has now hit this range uh, inside of drafts. I mean, he went out in a draft last night that I was in, and he, I think I drafted him as like RB33. And uh, to me, it's just exceptionally low. And I know that Dalvin Cook has probably seen um, his best days behind him, but he still has yet to ever finish you know, outside of the top 20 at the position fantasy points per game. Even last year, when people were calling him a little washed, he still finishes RB14 in fantasy points per game. I, I don't think even in, in some of the worst situations that you can possibly imagine him landing in, it would be hard for him to not return value as RB33 or better, um, especially when he has the ability to catch the ball, still run the ball, and fall into the end zone. So um, landing side to side, um, I think that people are overreacting to the uncertainty and as soon as he signs anywhere, it could be literally anywhere, um, we're going to see his ADP climb at least a full round, probably back into that you know mid RB22 to 25 range. And you're going to be able to get yourself at least 10 spots of value at the position, which is probably going to equate to a full round or more inside of drafts. And so I've been pounding him whenever I see him. Like I got him in round nine the other day, which is just crazy to me. Um, yeah, we we took him in the uh in that best ball tournament too, Billy, like super duper late. Yeah, we got him like nine ten in that best yeah. ball tournament, which is it's it's it because people are just overreacting. And so, I mean, even if like, uh, one of the worst case scenarios is like if he lands with New England or if he lands at the Jets, I think, because um, now he's sharing the role with Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall. Um, but at the same time, we've seen both these offenses succeed when they've used two backs and backs have been relevant at times as well. Um, and both have, you know, excelled. And so I think that there's room for both of them in him in both of these offenses, and he could still outperform RB 33 in either instance. I think another thing to look out for with Dalvin is at this point when we're getting to like, you know, almost we're, I mean, we're, we're getting into August here guys. And when we get to mid August, if he hasn't signed, 
you might see him just sit back and, you know, wait for some sort of attrition, either a high end handcuff goes down or a starter goes down and Dalvin Cook becomes, a, you know, a, a really, really a, a good option for a team that needs a running back. We don't root for that sort of thing, but it happens. It's football. Guys, I want to uh, also touch on other positions here with the next years. Uh, want to look at breakout wide receivers. And I think a lot of times it's a very simple strategy, but trying to identify that second year wide receiver has been incredibly fruitful for many years. You also have the fact that rookie wide receivers have been hitting. So first, I want to look at trying to identify this year's Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were getting drafted as wide receiver fours or wide receiver fives. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of love for them. Um, there was people were taking them like I, I took plenty of each, but it wasn't the sort of steam that you saw with Drake London or with Traylon Burks. Uh, so these guys were quite, kind of slightly under the radar, but they both finished inside of the top 25 at the position. I believe Chris Olave was wide receiver 25 on the nose. He's again, both of these guys were the counting stats don't speak for their impact because they were second half of the year, plug him and forget about him type guys. Nelson, any wide receiver, rookie wide receivers that you're looking to add to your builds right now? Uh, you know, he's coming with hype. So I, I definitely think that he's going to move uh, way up as August moves along. And that's Zay Flowers. Um, I just think that when you look at Beckham, Bate, you know, Bateman, it seems to be struggling to stay on the field. You have Beckham there who I think brings in a veteran presence. He'll make a highlight catch. Um, here and there throughout the season. But I think Flowers is the kid with the juice that is going to be able to get open on a consistent basis and become uh, one of Lamar's favorite targets. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on Zay because I think that JSN and Jordan Addison are both rising and you've seen Quentin Johnson also rise. But Zay Flowers has the potential to be the number two target in that offense and get the most wide receiver targets. And Zay Flowers is nasty too. Like I think it's it just like people talk about like the opportunity, but he makes these plays on tape where he looks kind of like Debo Samuel, just running through defenses, making people miss. He's a physical player um, for his size, and he and he ran very well. And by all accounts, he's tearing it up in Baltimore. Uh, Billy, your thoughts on on this exercise? Yeah, there's. I mean, I I could you know beat the drum and continue to talk about Addison, but uh, I'll 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 move past that one for this conversation. I'm going to mention someone else, and it'll be Rasheed Rice. Uh, there's a there's a lot of opportunity here for this Kansas City Chiefs uh, receiving core. We saw that you know Kadarius Tony you know got re injured, and I have questions if he can ever stay on the field during his career. And uh, now we've seen some pretty consolidated targets between Sky Moore, Rice, and then, you know, of course you got the MVS and Richie James and, and um, you know, a couple other pieces there as well. But I think that Rice has an opportunity to step into a pretty large role. This offense has about 152 vacated targets, and that could even become more if Tony misses more time. Um, so love the, the I loved Rice as a prospect, love his tape coming into the league. And I think that uh, his landing spot was was one of the best for the rookies. Uh, we saw the Chiefs spend a you know around to pick on him. So they're they're planning to get him involved and um with him really only competing with Sky Moore and, and of course Travis Kelsey for for real touch competition. I think that he has a chance to see, you know, 80 plus targets. And they're starting to like there's reports out of camp in Kansas City that they're giving him like manufactured touches, which I think is really kind of cool and unexpected. Like they're talking about like sweeps 
um, you know, design runs, a little more screen passes. I mean, he seemed like a guy that they were going to line up on the outside to me, but it sounds like they view him as a versatile player. So I love that answer from Billy. Love the answer from Nelson. Second year wideouts guys have been like cheat code. This is something you could have done for years and got value out of drafting second year wideouts. Now the market's kind of caught up with it, but we still see guys go under the radar and get drafted too low. Last year, Jalen Waddle smashed his ADP. Last year, Amon Ross St. Brown crushed his ADP. And the the cheat code was Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith was going off the board like wide receiver 37, 38, 39, wide receiver 40. And he ends up finishing with more receptions than any Philadelphia Eagle in any season ever. Who is the second-year wide receiver that you really see smashing? And guys, you can take this to the top. Like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, they've gotten steamed way up. But if they, if you select them at ADP and they finish top five at the position, it doesn't really matter about the, the cost you're putting in there. But then there's another, a couple other guys that are getting pushed up, the Drake Londons. Anybody you want to take, Nelson, that you're really bullish on heading into their second year at wide receiver? Uh, that's going to be Sky Moore uh, for me. I love I, that. I, I think, um, you know, Wilson and, and these guys, you know, Drake London, they're, they're on the radar. They're on everyone's radar. They're going in the top four rounds. Um, so I'm always looking for kind of like, who's that other guy that can ascend and still goes at a fairly decent price. And Moore's the guy for me, he's in the right offense. And I think that people expected a lot from him last year and he just didn't get on the field. And I think people have soured on him a little bit and he got a little too much hype last year. So now I feel like people are not paying attention as closely as they should. And it's actually, it's been the Sky Moore show. And, you know, Billy, you know, I totally understand the She Rice, um, you know, pick and and everything. But I, I think that Sky Moore, we're kind of looking for like that next guy. And we're forgetting that Sky is just in his second year. And so like I could see that where he just becomes like the consistent number two target in that offense and gets used a little bit like Tyreek uh, did when he was there where they start running some jet sweeps with him and just get the ball in his hands. And he's just that more, much more comfortable in year two. Yeah. We've been talking about sky Moore actually on the dynasty side, on the Sonic truth dynasty podcast, there's a lot of, a lot of hype. Um, and again, like he came out of Western Michigan Day day two guy, but he was at a, essentially a small school with the Mac production. Um, so a lot of times those guys from from that conference uh, or these some of these smaller conferences, it takes them a year to get to get used to everything at the NFL level. So and the Kansas City playbook under Andy Reid, this is I mean, they're running some complex stuff. This is not just a like, hey, come in there and play right away. So I, I think Sky Moore is a really good one. Nelson, you've actually seen him move up. He's he was going at like a wide receiver five. Now he's heading towards wide receiver three land. So definitely one to monitor for the rest of the summer. Billy, give us a, a, a year two guy that you're into, especially at cost. I was going to double dip on this one. So I was actually going to mention uh, Sky with Rishi Rice and a lot of the same reasons that I mentioned with Rice. So I completely agree with Nelson on the Sky more. He's a perfect example of a, per, a player who I wanted z- z- nothing to do with last year. Then I'm in on this year. 
And it just breaks down a situation. We have to analyze these situations every single year and we have to recalibrate and, and look at draft boards fresh. And so people are are bitter because they overspent on Skymore last year and they're just not going back to the well. Uh, another player I think that fits this mold for me is going to be Traylon Burks. And I've been doing even more now with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. People are looking at it as this huge negative for him. And I don't think that's the scenario. Uh, if anything, it tells me that they are still trying to be competitive and that Tannehill more than likely plays all year now, where in prior we were questioning, were we going to see Will Levis? Were we going to see um, you know, Malik Willis? And so there were so many different um, possibilities between <sighs> Traylon Burks and the outcomes of this offense. But now the fact that they signed DeAndre Hopkins tells me that they want to remain competitive and they're still trying to win. And now Traylon Burks doesn't have to worry about double coverage, doesn't have to worry about taking on the number one cornerback or DB. Um, and so he can go up against the number two in the offense while the attention is drawn by DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to also have to keep defenses honest because they have King Henry running the ball and they're not going to be able to just drop people back. Um, there may be times where they even load the boxes, which is going to you know, create more lanes for Traylon Burks as well. So I think that he is a player that he actually hasn't fallen as much as I was hoping he was going to fall with the DeAndre Hopkins news. He has fallen, you know, a round or two. Um, but I I love where he's going still in drafts and have been continuing to smash the button when I see him on the clock. Yeah, no, I love that one. And and for me, <laughs> do we lose Theo? We lost Theo. I think so. <laughs> well, while while Theo's reloading, uh, Nelson, why don't we look at? Oh, are you back, Theo? I hope so, Billy. Apologize, <laughs> guys. I don't know what's going on over here. Um, but I'll say Jahan Dotson is my answer here. Jahan Dotson. Nice. Jahan Dotson. I think that like okay. he's got the opportunity in this offense to take a big step in year two. He's going off the board as wide receiver. He's out. He's gone. Um, why don't we move on, Nelson? Until he's back. Why don't we move on to the quarterback position? I know this is. Uh, something that Theo wanted to touch base on uh, at the beginning of the hour. Is there any quarterbacks, let's say, outside of the top 12? So let's focus on like quarterbacks 13 through quarterback 24-ish. So the you know quarterback two range. Anyone that you are particularly targeting that you think has a chance to uh, finish inside the top 12 of the position? Last year, we saw two quarterbacks at name off the top of my head that I can think about. Geno Smith who was going undrafted, a lot of links, who finished inside the top 10. Justin Fields, who was going outside the top 12 at the position, who finished inside the top 7 at the position. Is there any quarterback in particular this year that you like who are going outside the top 12 that you think have a chance to finish inside the top 10? I'm not necessarily targeting these guys, but there there are guys if, um, if I end up passing on one of those uh, top-tier quarterbacks, um, I'm trying to get you know two of these guys. Mm-hmm. I, I could definitely see uh, Jared Goff, uh, Derek Carr, and Jordan Love are, are like the three guys that I could see where they have the weapons and you know could perform you know as a top ten type of quarterback. So you just mentioned two of my top four most owned quarterbacks inside my ownership: Love Goff, Love Love, uh, too many loves, I guess. Yeah. Love love where they're going at, at ADP right now and the offenses and the weapons that they have. Another one for me that I really like that has been kind of flying under the radar right now that I think could take a major step forward um, in year two is going to be um, Pickett. And I love the fact that they 
you know, bullshit up this offensive line. I've <laughs> talked about this a lot on podcasts that they went out and got Broderick Jones in round one, a blocking tight in round three, addressed the position even more. And they still have a lot of weapons. I mean, Pat, Pratt Firemuth was has had an outstanding, you know, beginning to his career. Um, and then we've had, you know, Pickens, who has just been a a jump ball freak. He's an athletic monster, uh, probably looking to take a big step forward as well. Deontay Johnson, another big weapon for him, who's just a target hog. Um, you know, Najee is is net, hasn't been the most efficient runner, but still presents himself as a valuable NFL running back. Maybe not as much as the fantasy asset as we were hoping for, but. Love Pickett as well and where he's going. I find myself actually taking a lot of Jordan Love and Pickett in these drafts where I double tap them late and because I, I like to push the position and I'm, it's easy to stack, you know, get Deontay Johnson, uh, you know, who's been climbing, but still going at a, at a value. Get Watson, who again has been climbing, but but still going, I think, at a value comparison where I haven't projected at. And so love the fact that you can pair these quarterbacks with them so late and you can still address the running back or receiver position or mixing a tight end in between as well. Yeah. Welcome back, Theo. <laughs> yeah, guys, sorry about that. So I wanted to also touch base on the tight end position. Um, last year, Tyler Higby and Evan Engram were both drafted as tight end twos and both finished easily as tight end ones. Engram crushed at the end of the year. Higby went over 100 targets. Give us a couple of tight end targets, uh, Nelson. Back end tight end one down to tight end twos that you think should be part of our draft plan? Um, I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to say Dalton Schultz is one of those guys that I think could uh, end up being very similar to like a, a Higby where in the offense where he's just kind of like that, going to be that consistent performer, not flashy or anything like that. And then for like an Ingram type, um, I'm going to say that I, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's another tight end there's going to be, but I don't know if there's another tight end really that, um, I'm that all that interested in, um, down there in that tier, but obviously like at FFPC, um, tight ends get valued greatly and, and quite a few of them get drafted. So I'll probably say like, let, let me mention a, like a forgotten guy. Um, that's boring, but is probably going to end up putting up a productive season. And that's Hunter Henry with the Patriots. So uh, first year, uh, same thing. It was, you know, he was getting drafted really late. No one was really interested in him. He was there with Janu and, and then he started moving up. It was kind of like, okay, who, you know, who do you take? I think, I think they both went like 10th roundish area two years ago. And now he's just kind of like that forgotten guy. But if that offense gets moving, I could see where he could be, you know, just that boring guy that you, you take as your tight end too, and you could stick in your lineup and he'll, you know, give you some fantasy production. Billy is this year's Tyler Higby, just Tyler Higby. <laughs> yes. I was going to say Tyler Higby. <laughs> There's just not a lot of competition for targets here. And Cooper cup already dealing with a hamstring injury. We know that there's a lot of targets available and up for grabs. Uh, Van Jefferson is arguably the number two. And, and so I would say that Higby is probably the number two. 
Um, he came off a career year last year. I think they're going to keep it rolling. Um, the other player I think worth mentioning is Greg Dulcich. Uh, and, and I think that um, we could see – I just I'm higher on the Denver Broncos just in general than most people are with the addition of Peyton. And Russell Wilson was pretty much – dog shit last year finished his quarterback 18 in fantasy points per game but now he's being drafted at as quarterback 18 in drafts a lot of the times and so we're seeing him be drafted at his floor where i think he has a pretty good opportunity to outperform that and so you can stack him pretty late with dulcich and you could add judy earlier in the mix and and you get you know a lot of the key pieces to this offense especially with the consolidated target tree that i just mentioned you know patrick out hamler out and so javante is still battling back from injuries ahead of timeline um but i still think that we're probably going to see this offense be a little bit more pass heavy to start the season and that's going to benefit greg dulcich and and the rest of this receiving core and if that if that success if that's successful i should say then i think that we continue to see that model throughout the season and they're just going to kind of lean into it so Love Greg Dulcich in drafts. Love Higby in draft. Been been loving kind of pushing to that spot and just double tapping him. Yeah, and we had Sean Corner on. Billy and I got a chance to talk with him on Mind of Mansion, and uh, we talked about how much he loves Dulcich. Dulcich in the Joker role, guys, which is really exciting. And that uh, was when, before the injuries. Yeah, that the you know it's been like it's consolidation in Denver for sure. Um, this is this is we're reaching an hour here, but I got one more question for you guys in terms of this year's. Last year, we had a Amari Cooper and Tyler Lockett were both getting drafted essentially as low-end wide receiver threes, high-end wide receiver fours. Christian Kirk steamed up, but he was still a wide receiver three. All three of those guys crushed it. Give us some veteran wide receivers you think the market might be too low on. Start with Billy on this one. Hmm. Uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins is probably a name, at least throwing the name in the hat. We're seeing him climb, but um, I still don't think it's been high enough. I I know that this offense hasn't been the most pass heavy, but they really haven't had a receiver of of his caliber, um, you know, up to date. And so people would argue AJ Brown, but who's beginning of his career was you know learning the speed of the NFL, getting getting kind of acclimated with the team and the offense. And so Hopkins, that veteran presence coming in, gonna I think make big plays, be the clear cut number one, um, but also have a pretty balanced offense and attack. And I think that is going to be. Um, pretty beneficial for him in this point in his career, and he's being drafted pretty late at, in comparison to where he has a chance to finish. So, I mean, it, would it shock you if DeAndre Hopkins was like top 10 at the position through like the first four weeks? Because it wouldn't shock me based upon what we've seen in his career at all. No, I mean, we saw that big year with A.J. Brown on 110 targets. It sounds like the D-Hops, they, they want to get more to. So I agree with you. I think he's a little beat up. Brandon Ayuk is my my guy right now. I love drafting Brandon Ayuk. Again, he's getting drafted higher than the the Lockett Cooper discount we got last year, but I still think he could be an impactful guy at ADP. How about you, Nelson? I'd probably say Chris Godwin is the guy <laughs> that uh, n- you know no one really cares about. Uh, again, you know, down on that offense, and I I like to look at it as. You know, that might be a positive for me where, you know, I'm I'm looking more of like what are the forgotten offenses that could be sneaky and Godwin's like that player that, you know, people he goes in the fifth, sixth round sometimes in, in drafts and we could, you know, wake up at the end of the season and see him, you know, with, you know, 85 plus catches and that would probably um shatter you know his value for where he was going in adp so that that would be my guy 
Yeah, I mean, like you talked about with Rashad White, nobody wants to draft Bucks, but Chris Godwin went over 100 receptions over 90 the year before. I mean, the guy's been a proven, proven fantasy uh, player for us for years. Um, Nelson, give us a player that your thoughts have changed on in a positive sense since June, and maybe one that's kind of gone down uh, since <laughs> since the last time you were on uh, First Class Fantasy with us. Uh, it would probably be Jameer Gibbs, uh, because back in June when I was on with you guys, um, I was not a fan of the landing spot uh, for him. And that was my first initial reaction. Uh, and it was before I really got like really into, you know, drafting season. And that has uh, changed for me uh, after giving it like more thought. Um, I do think that him and Montgomery can coexist. I do think that that offense um, was kind of sneaky last year, and I actually think that it can take another step and go to the next level uh, this year. So with Gibbs, you know, a lot of people use those comparisons. Um, some people see it as, you know, the way I saw it back in June was, you know, well, Gibbs is going in the third round, fourth round, and he just can't return value um, where he's going because, you know, he's not going to get 200-plus carries. but I look at it as more of like a Kamara type thing where he coexisted with Ingram and he's cap- more than capable of catching, you know, 60, 70 uh, balls this year. And, you know, Montgomery hasn't really been a picture, you know, picture, perfect picture of health uh, the last couple of years. He, he seems to get banged up himself. So if that happens, you know, we could be looking at Gibbs where, he could be a top five running back. And I think that's why he's getting drafted where he is. So I see the talent. I can see where he can still return value in the third round. And that's the guy that I've, I've done a 180 on. Um, in terms of a guy that I was probably okay drafting back then, and and now I'm, I'm just not interested, um, it would probably be um probably Jonathan Taylor um w- would be the guy um just you know bad vibes out of out of that whole situation and you know i i i see that offense where um although there's a, a lot of hype around Anthony Richardson he's still a rookie and i watched some florida tape and he was not a very accurate quarterback at Florida, so what makes putting you, it nicely? Putting it nicely, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to go and like, you know, hammer on the kid, but you know, he he couldn't throw at Florida, and he went in and ripped up the combine, and now everyone is in love with him, and I think there's going to be some growing pains, and we we've seen this before out of rookie quarterbacks where. You know the the sh- the light is shining bright on the guy until the lights turn on, and that quarterback struggles. And I think we're going to see a little bit of that. So even if Taylor um, settles his differences with the Colts and comes back, I could see where that offense just kind of sputters and is just not very good. And you know Taylor delivers kind of another lackluster performance. Love the Gibbs answer. 
I agree. Taylor is is difficult one. I think you might even get uh, an opportunity to draft him cheaper um, as these weeks keep coming. For me, Darren Waller, we talked about him earlier. I'm like two rounds higher than I was um, in FFPC and NFFC type drafts for him. I think that it really is happening. I think he's going to have 130 targets. Um, I think he's a focal point of what I believe will be a really, really good offense. I'm bullish on Daniel Jones. I like the Giants in general. I think they're going to score a lot of points in year two under Dable. And the reports on Waller uh, out of camp are positive every single day. It's definitely Daniel Jones's preferred target. And for me, guys, like six weeks ago, Billy, I saw J.K. Dobbins as such a dangerous guy to add my builds, like dangerous in a good way, where the elite upside was there. This was all falling into place. And now I get worried. He's upset about his contract. We have the him missing practice. He's a little bit banged up. Um, Harbaugh is talking him up. But again, this is a guy that's only played in 23 NFL games. I have big worries here in terms of using a fifth-round pick on him. I think I'm out um, unless we see him back on the field and and you know we have a little more positivity. And I think fifth-round Dobbins is not something I'm going to be investing in. So Waller and Dobbins for me, Gibbs and Taylor for Nelson. Where are you at, Billy? I got Dobbins at around seven last night. I pulled the trigger. Uh, it just continued to fall, and I said at that point I'm I'm willing to take the gamble. But like both your guys' calls, I think the the number one person for me um, is probably right now is Deshaun Watson, um, a player who I was not really interested in drafting, um, you know, earlier in the off season. Um, but as things kind of start to come together and reports from camp, and um, I think he's. Maybe not. I don't think we'll, we'll probably ever see the Deshaun Watson that we saw in Houston, but uh, I do think with his his you know ability to run the ball as well with the weapons that he has, he still has the ability to finish inside the top ten position. Where I had him outside the top ten uh, in my original run projections, and so I'm starting to come around on him a little bit. I like the addition of Elijah Moore there as well, and so I think there's a lot of outs for him to actually um, maybe exceed my expectations. So I'm coming around on him a bit. Um, a player that I am, I guess now not in, or yeah, souring on, souring on. Um, and I was in on them earlier. It's probably Brees Hall, um, and I think it's. Just in relation to the uncertainty, it's clear they want to add another back, whether that's Dalvin Cook or not. Um, I think that um, it's never a good sign when you have a team who has a running back coming off of an injury who now wants to add another piece to the mix. Uh, It just says that either one, they don't fully trust where he's at in his recovery, or two, they just want to lighten his workload. So either way you dissect it, it's not a good thing for Brees Hall. Um, and he was, you know, going in the beginning of the third um, at times, sneaking into the second round. And so um, now I'm even kind of hesitant in round four when I see him on the board. And so I think that um, it's one of those players now I'm kind of pumping the brakes on. The last question, Nelson, you've been really generous with your time. We're at an hour 10. We, Billy and I have asked pretty much everybody this on First Class Fantasy, um, and I've asked people this on press coverage. Who's the player that's given you the most problems in rankings like you could see having a wide range of outcomes here um and a player that if you could know their final stats of the season who would it be oh man <clears throat> that's actually a good question uh i, I Thank think you. you might have me stumped right now um a player that i can't figure out in my rankings right now or one player who if you could see their final projections this year of any player in football who would it be uh christian watson Okay. 
I think that's that's the guy that I was really high on him last year, and I was able to add him to a lot of my teams. Um, and I'm trying to be careful not to be too biased because he did help a lot of my teams uh, last year. And just he- a hat tip to not interrupt you, Nelson, but the Kristen Watson breakout game, he was in Nelson's starting lineup. I'll give you props for that one, Nelson. Yeah, so that, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I, I think um, we, we shared our, a few teams last year, so you got to see that. Um, I enjoyed that one. Yeah, absolutely. So that one was one that was a waiver wire Wednesday night special. And and it was like, yeah, we're, we're putting them in, you know, and we put them in over some other, you know, wide receivers where, you know, the vanilla rankings or some of the rankings that were out there, you know, you wouldn't have thought of using Watson. So that, that was nice. And it was nice to get that infusion uh, of uh, those stats from Watson. So that's the guy for me now in year two, where I'm trying to be careful uh, with him on not getting too high on him. He's, he's getting drafted pretty highly and I could see it where it's one of those like scenarios where, you know, it's like the hype guy, right? Like, so like Cortland Sutton, for example, uh, was that guy last year, right? Um, and and I felt I fell for it myself, you know, where I I started moving Sutton way up the draft board, and it just didn't end up working out. So there, I got to be careful with that. Where there's question marks with Jordan Love, you know, can Love take over and 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 be, you know, a, a capable quarterback to move this offense and our defense is going to, you know, respect them enough, or are they going to look at it as like, you know what, he, he can't throw. So we don't need to be worrying about Watson deep. You know, I, I could see it where, you know, Watson disappoints. And at the same time, I could, I could just see it where he showed enough flashes last year where, you know, there were some games where he looked like Randy Moss light and, I could see where he could smash. And then I'm sitting there at the end of the season, scratching my head, like, you know, why didn't I draft more of this guy? Or I could be banging my head against the wall and saying, you know, why did I fall for this again? You know, and, and, you know, draft this guy up, you know, so high when there's so many question marks in that offense. I love the answer. I'm in on Christian Watson, but yeah, you know, last year, Gabe Davis, Cortland Sutton, there was a few of these guys that got steamed up big time and, you know, it, it didn't happen and it hurt people. Um, Watson, I will say like right now he's going somewhere between like wide receiver 21 and wide receiver 25. So we haven't seen like the incredible steam yet, but it's definitely one to monitor this month. Nelson, let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, at a FTN fantasy, uh, go there, subscribe to my package. And there's, a, you know, besides myself, you're getting a lot of great content from uh, a lot of great players and fantasy analysts there at FTN Fantasy. Um, we have a lot of talented guys, so uh, de- definitely uh, go there and subscribe if if you guys, uh, you know, are, are interested in my content. No, for sure. Highly recommend Nelson's content. Uh, definitely follow him on Twitter as well. Billy, do you have a Dominator coming up this week? We do. Matt and I are recording on Sunday. Um, we'll work out the times here probably today or tomorrow uh we got to fit it into the schedule uh with every, with the rest of the busy podcast schedule but 
we will record on Sunday. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out to First and 15. Their episode with Scott Barrett dropped. Um, you can check it out on on our YouTube. Um, but that was really, really excellent. Abib Bagbatoba, Dio Adesai, and uh, Chris Henderson have been putting out great stuff. Highly recommend First and 15. Um, definitely check it out. Scott Barrett was the first guest that they've ever had on, and it was a really, really good one. Also want to give a shout out to our, our, our programming partners at the deep end. If you like the high stakes content that we talked about tonight, make sure you check them out. And then I'm always giving hat tips to my, my guys at the goat district. Nelson's going to be in the district next week. Uh, that should be really cool. Uh, we also have uh, Chris Vaccaro and Billy Wazowski, uh, two of the better high stakes players in the, in the country, both NFFC hall of famers coming on the goat district next week as well. So, you know, we're bringing you the heat on, on, on player profiler. You're not going to find any better better high stakes content uh, anywhere right now in terms of the number of podcasts we're giving you. Uh, stick with first class fantasy all August uh, and beginning of September. Um, Billy and I are looking to crush it. We're going to win a lot of money. Uh, stick with us this this uh, summer and enjoy the, your weekends. Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.